welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 3, Episode 9 in the Book of Colossians, a letter written by Paul to the church in Colossae. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. We begin this Episode 9 in Chapter 3 where Paul describes this new spiritual clothing believers need to put on. How does this help the harmony in a church, and what do these verses tell us about how to act in our daily lives? Well, let's look that up in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on a heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, back to verses 12 and 13. Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Well, Paul told us to put on this new spiritual clothing of a Christian. And that begins with demonstrable personal attributes that he lists for us. Believers are God's chosen ones, and as so are holy and loved by God. And that alone should change our focus away from self and towards others. In fact, God expects these attributes listed by Paul from all believers. Let's see what Paul lists for us here. Heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, acceptance, and forgiveness. Well, that sounds kind of familiar to anyone who knows about the fruit of the Spirit. Paul had written in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the actions of the Spirit working in that person's life includes these attributes. Compassion, or tender-heartedness, brings the awareness of someone else's pain, someone else's suffering. And that compassion is compelling us to try to relieve it. Kindness is a general goodness towards others that should be systemic in the life of a believer. Humility is the opposite of self-love and pretentiousness. Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For by the grace given to me I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should, and highly than he should think, Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, gentleness is a willingness to suffer injury or insult rather than inflict that on others. 
patience or long-suffering. It's just the opposite of quick temper. It's the opposite of resentment. It's the opposite of revenge. Paul understood patience clearly in God's patience exercised towards him. In 1 Timothy 1.15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. There's the patience that God had towards Paul. And we should have that same form of patience. Verse 13 says, Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Paul turns his attention here to the harmony in the church by expressing the need for acceptance and forgiveness. Wow, why is it so hard to accept and forgive? How do believers experience the great value of forgiveness? Well, we have a great model for forgiveness in what Jesus Christ has done for the believer. That should make it easy and simple to forgive others. And we have some modern examples in the church that require forgiveness and acceptance. Whenever you have a a large group of people, or maybe a small group even, we are not always going to be aligned politically, economically, socially, or any way. Acceptance is required here. It is not optional. Forgiveness of any wrongs and attitudes is required here. It is not optional. As diverse as the community in which a church is found, it should that same diversity should be echoed in the church. They should look the same because all are accepted and shown the grace of God. There is great strength in diversity and commonality in Christ Jesus. John 3.16 again says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's pretty inclusive. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too were previously, we, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. We were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. The church should be, of all places, a place for acceptance and forgiveness. 
Verse 14 says, Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. Here is the key here. Paul says that the key that locks this all in, the key that gives us unity in the church is love. The word in Greek is agape, meaning an unconditional love, the same kind of love that Christ showed us, an unconditional love. And that strength of that love binds us all together. This binding is the unity in the church. This binding will also complete us. Verse 15, it says, And let the peace of the Messiah, to which you are also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Paul calls the church to harmony. That harmony is developed through the peace of the Messiah and the work of Christ in individual lives. As Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. This peace is to control our hearts. We should do nothing without peace of Christ overshadowing that activity, whatever we do. And then Paul adds to be thankful. That sounds so simple, but how often do we actually practice thankfulness? The combination of peace and thankfulness is quite logical because a lack of peace is because generally of self-seeking or a general mood of dissatisfaction and perhaps someone is never quite happy with anything. I am sure you can think of people like that. Thankfulness points to the realization that everything comes from God. There is no room for bitterness and ill will if a person has a thankful, grateful heart. We should be thankful at all times and situations. Believers have peace and are thankful for it. And that gives rest and that gives security. Verse 16 says, Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. What does gratitude bring to the believer? I think it brings an attitude of worship. It allows believers to gratefully use the spiritual gifts that God gives them for the benefit of everyone. This includes, the message about the Messiah includes teaching and admonishing with wisdom. Richard Mellick writes in his commentary that teaching is the orderly arrangement of the truth and the effective communication of it. Teaching is also a spiritual gift from God to be able to teach. Now we have admonishing. Now that's different from teaching, as admonishment is a strong encouragement, and it has a practical and moral approach. Now teaching at times can be abstract and theological, and here admonishment is right to the point, but they're both given through the wisdom that only God can give. Neither teaching or admonishment should be attempted without the wisdom that God provides. Other ways that our faith is expressed is in singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing is a very important part, an integral part of worship. Psalms were generally from the Old Testament, and that was a great way to express the attributes of God in worship. We still sing psalms today, although the original arrangements may be lost to antiquity. The message is not, and it still holds the truth. Hymns are festive hymns of praise to God. 
In fact, in this book of Colossians, in chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, is a hymn, an ancient hymn, about the supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That's a great hymn. And hymns are still around today as festive songs of praise. Now, spiritual songs could have been different, maybe more uplifting, much like a gospel song is today. And there was probably a lot of overlap between these distinctions, but what they were were spiritual and not secular. Music, giving, and exhortation are primary elements of worship. The music was secondary to the message they was portrayed in that music and should still be. If something sounds good and has a worthless message, that's still worthless. Music, giving, and exhortation are all to be delivered with gratitude and praise to God. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now here is a summation of this paragraph in this verse. Everything we do in life, in word or deed, needs to be conscious of God's Christ, or Jesus Christ's authority and his reputation. We need to represent Christ in speech and action. We should do nothing apart from God's direction, approval, and purpose. Nothing. Paul reminds us once again to give thanks. Christ made it possible that we have access to God and experience his love and grace. Now that should be a continuous cause for thankfulness, that access. All right, next episode we will continue in chapter 3 looking at biblical family relationships and Christ in the home. How should we relate to our family? Now there's a word coming up, it's called submission. And that is an awful word in today's society, but what was the intent behind this word for Paul and the ideas for the family? God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Biblical Tapestry, again, has a Facebook and Instagram page, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you gain from this study at all. God bless, and I pray that you are well.